We would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, and he has been teaching through a series on 2 Peter. We hope that you will join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here's Pastor Stuart. Choices. We all get to make them every day. Many, many, many choices. And let me remind us to begin with that all choices have consequences. From the most simplistic choice to the most difficult choice, they all have lasting consequences. And I believe that we are at the peak of the mountaintop for which we as America, as the body of Christ, as the church, it's time we make a choice. Because there will come a time when God's patience will run out. And He will return and the wrath of God will be revealed. We've been working through the book of 2 Peter. And here in this book, Peter is really warning us against the false teachers that will arise in our day, which boy, we are living in that day as we approach the end of times. Truth, that is the positive aspect of this book, and the thing that will help us ultimately understand that which is false. God is truth. His word is truth. And anything contrary to His word and His will, let me remind you, is not from the Lord. It is a lie and it's from Satan. We have been working through an outline of Second Peter, if you recall. We started looking at chapter 2 uh, last week. And we looked at the main section of chapter 2, verses 1 to 22, as avoiding false teachers by ultimately understanding false teachers. And so how can we understand false teachers? Well, we looked at verses 1 to 3 last week, and that was understanding false teachers through their destructive heresies. We looked at false teachers and the fact that they will be present, they will be persuasive, they will be profane, and they will ultimately be pretenders. And then this week we're going to look at understanding false teachers by understanding their destructive judgments. Really, there's two simple points that I want to pull out from this text. The first point is that false believers or false teachers will receive the wrath of God. And false believers, though they will receive the wrath of God, the positive side, secondly, I want you to see true believers, true Christians will receive the rescue of God. I want to first say there is a lot of great information within these few verses that we're going to be looking at today, and I want us to look at them and try to dig into the verse so that we can capture all that, that Peter intends for us to grasp. But within our allotted time, there is no way we can discuss every detail. But nevertheless, I want us to have our notebooks ready so we can take notes. So if you will, let's turn to our passage, Second Peter chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 
4 and 10, or 4 through 10. Let's read together. For God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness, reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the earth or the world of the ungodly. And if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter, if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard, that righteous man while living among them felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment and especially those who indulge in the flesh in his corruption, desires, and despise authority. There are two major ideas in this passage that Peter is communicating to us today. And the first one, again, is false believers will receive the wrath of God. And now last week we ended with verse 3. And in that verse, Peter sums up all that he had mentioned prior to that about false teachers. When he said, their judgment from long ago is not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. Listen, while it may seem like the enemy is having victory, let me remind you, his judgment is not asleep. This week, Peter is going to give one large sentence that can't be turned away from. Many of you know I've been working on my doctorate of ministry and one of the things that I typically get marked off for is because I write long sentences. But after reading Peter and Paul, I don't feel so bad about writing long sentences. See, if you're a student of Paul and Peter, you know that he just goes on and on, comma, on and on, comma, on. And I'm like, how is this even uh, able to do this without getting credit marked off for him? Nevertheless... This lengthy passage is one we all need to hear. One we all need to pay close attention to. Not only the body of Christ, but our nation, America. The American people, the body of Christ, need to perk up their ears and listen and heed the warning of Holy Scripture. Because we are living in days when people do not think that God will judge this nation. That God will not judge the men in the pulpits. That God will not judge the men and women in the pews. They think there is no penalty for sin. That there are no repercussions. That there are no consequences. That they can rebel against a holy, perfect, and righteous God and just walk away singing kumbaya. Yes, God is a gracious God. Yes, God gives grace to the humble. Yes, God is a forgiving God. 
He is a God that can forgive. Listen, the greatest, most hideous of sinners. Yes, God is a loving God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. Yes, God is a compassionate God. And while yes, God is indeed merciful. Here in this long sentence, this vital sentence, Peter will make known to all people of all times, of all races, all around the world, that while he is, yes, gracious, loving, forgiving, compassionate, he is also a God of wrath. And he will pour out his wrath, his justice, the pure, flaming wrath and justice of Almighty God. We need to be ready. Because the false believers, the false teachers, they will get what's coming. And that is what God has to say in this verse. He begins at the end of verse 3, and so it's very significant. It's imperative, it's a command, it's critical, it's fundamental that we understand false teachers and false believers and fake Christians that ultimately they will, my friends, receive the wrath of Almighty God. Yes, you can believe this morning that your works save you, that your efforts put you in a right relationship with God. Yes, you can believe in your own imaginary God that you've created. You can teach people that God doesn't exist. You can be an atheist. You can be an agnostic. You can deny the Lord Jesus Christ. You can do whatever you want. But know that your destruction is not asleep. The day is coming, my friends. Your rejections have not gone unnoticed. You can celebrate Pride Month, but you will be found guilty. And so I want to encourage you. You say, oh, well, Pastor, this message so far ain't very encouraging. Let me ask you this. If your house was on fire and I started screaming, your house is on fire, get out. Would that be loving? Of course it would be loving. To do everything I could in all of my own power and ability to get you out of a burning down house, that would be loving. Well, I am here to tell you, America, I'm here to tell you, church, that if we don't choose this day, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob Listen, the house is on fire. God is coming back with wrath and justice. And we must repent and turn back to God so that we can, by His grace, be forgiven, to be set free. That would be loving. And so no, my desire, my heart for you is not to to beat you over the head with the Bible, but to scream and to shout a warning that God is coming back. I want to encourage you to choose this day whom you will serve. You know the benefit and the blessing of every single one of us here this morning. We woke up, we have breath in our lungs, and we can make a decision for Christ today. 
Whether you're watching here or live or listening, wherever you are, listen. Today is the day of salvation. Why? Because He's given you breath to praise Him. To repent of your sins. Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says, listen, that there is none righteous, no, not one. So I know you look pretty. I know you come dressed up. But I know for a fact that many of you, while you were fighting, bickering this morning, and you were sinning against your husband and your wife, maybe last night on Friday you found yourself out drunk. Listen, the reality is, is the more we live in this life, we know that people live a private life. God sees it all, my friend. Today is the day to repent and turn back to God. Who will you choose this day to serve? Who will it be? The God of truth or the God of lies? The God of the Bible or the God of this world? Will you choose God or you choose man? Because today God is speaking to us through His Word. And that is this. He will bring judgment. Listen, there is a place for grace. There is a place for mercy. There is a place for the love of God. But why have we failed to warn people of the wrath of God? Oh, it doesn't sell tickets, Pastor. Well, doesn't fill the pews. Well, God called me to preach the Word, not to bring the people. I'm warning you. Today is the day of salvation. You can be deceived. You can be misled. You can be misinformed. But notice this. You will personally be held responsible. And my hope is today that this message will not fall on deaf ears. But on ears and eyes and hearts that God has prepared to repent and to believe the gospel. Listen, I know that nothing coming out of my mouth will save any single soul. That it is a work of Almighty God through the Word of God. He says, sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth. Salvation comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. God loves you. I mean, He sent His Son to die for you. He's provided everything you need pertaining to life and to godliness. What's holding you back from putting your trust in Jesus Christ? Peter gives us three events from the book of Genesis, three historical events that took place and that will show you that God's wrath will not fail from occurring even though He is a loving God. The first event we find is here in verse 4 when he says, For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment, he begins with this phrase, for if. Note, this, this doesn't presume doubt. That, that, that's not the idea that Peter is drawing out here. You could say, for, for since God did not. Again, we know these events took place. We believe them to be literal. 
And we'll see that in a second, but notice the thought here. Peter makes it very clear that God is relentless. He shows no partiality. He's not a God of favoritism. And if He is willing to pour out retribution on even the angels in the ancient world and the events that had unfolded throughout history, how in the world do we expect that He wouldn't do the same today? He is willing to pour out His wrath, listen, not only on them, but on us. There are a few questions we need to ask ourselves about the text. The first question we need to ask ourselves is what angels is Peter talking about? Well, there's a hint there that Peter gives us so that we can understand completely which angels he is referring to. The first hint that he says here was that these angels are the angels that had sinned. Here Peter is drawing a picture of fallen angels that came when they followed in the footsteps of Lucifer the liar. It's clear that many angels followed him when his pride got the best of him. Pride's a killer. Pride is a killer. And I know we celebrate pride this month, but pride's a killer. It's clear that many angels again followed him in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. There are two kinds of angels. Holy angels that serve and do the work of Almighty God. And then those angels that serve and do the work of Satan. Referring to the evil angels. Because they were sinful angels. But what sin was it that they committed? This sin was big enough that they were. we are told they were cast into Tartarus, hell and was committed to the pits of darkness reserved for judgment. Jude verse 6 gives us some insight into this question. Jude 6 says, The angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, He has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. These angels left their domain and abandoned their proper abode. And because of this, we are told they are kept in bondage until the day of judgment. But what was it that they did? Well, you got angels that are bound, and you got fallen angels that are not bound. Remember, it says in verse 4, For God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, committed to them the pits of darkness reserved for judgment. This group of angels that Peter is referring to are those that are bound. This is the group that was cast into Tartarus. Hell, a Greek mythology word described as a place of torment. These angels had been put into prison. These angels were the angels found in Genesis chapter 6 that were called the sons of God. And they left their domain and had relations with women, if you remember. Genesis 6-4 reminds us of this as it says, the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them. These were the giants, the Nelephines that had to be drowned. These are the angels that had been placed into prison to await the great judgment. And so we see really, uh, look in 1 Peter. 1 Peter is a, a great place to see what it's talking about here. In verse 18, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, 
so that He might bring us to God, having put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Now listen to what he says in verse 19. In which also He went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who once were disobedient, when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that were eight persons, were brought safely through the waters. So here we find that Christ, though He died just for the unjust, He went and made proclamations to the spirits now in prison. Here again we see the same angels that had been placed in hell waiting for their final judgment. And Jesus goes and makes proclamation of victory to them. Those are the fallen angels that we find in 2 Peter 2 verse 4. For if God did not spare them when they sinned, <coughs> but cast them into hell and commit them to the pits of darkness reserved for judgment. Now I don't want it to get us all mixed up and confused here, but and miss the point that Peter is communicating. And that is the fact that if God is willing to judge angels that sin, God will judge men that sin, and even a nation. I mean, didn't God judge His own people? He came to His own and His own received a not. You remember Assyria? You remember the Babylonians? You remember the Persians? All His people destroyed. God judges nations. And I don't know how in the world He has not judged America yet. If He doesn't judge soon, He's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. It's getting bad, folks. I know I'm preaching to the choir. God's willing to judge the angels. How much more is He willing to judge us? The second historical event that unfolds is that of the ancient people of Noah's day. If He didn't spare the angels, and He did not spare, verse 5, the ancient world, but preserved Noah, the preacher of righteousness, even with seven others, when He brought the flood upon the world of the ungodly. If you recall, God did not hold back the flood from those days during the days of Noah. He brought a worldwide flood and killed everyone but eight. Because the sin of man was so exceedingly great. And by the way, yes, I believe in a worldwide flood. I, I, I believe that there was a literal flood. And I believe that there had been no rain upon the earth until after. Genesis 2, 5 and 6, we see that God watered the earth with a mist. God had continued that if He wanted when Noah said it would rain. Imagine how foolish he looked. Noah said it would rain. No rain had fallen from the sky, only the mist that God had provided for the earth. Another thing we find in the passage that we don't find anywhere else is that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So imagine that for a moment. While he builds a boat, a boat, for a hundred years, Noah preached repentance. The people surely mocked him. 
Surely they didn't think that it was going to rain. You, you old fool, what are you building a boat for? It's going to rain? Are you kidding us? How long are you going to keep doing this, Noah? How long are you going to keep building this boat, Noah? I don't think they had experienced rain, but they failed to respond to the plea. All you see, the people didn't get it. Genesis 6, 5, it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man on earth was great on the earth, and that every intent and thought of their heart was only evil continually. Noah preached righteousness to those people for a hundred years as he built that boat, and the wicked people failed to believe the message that he preached. And when Noah and all those that were with him, all seven that entered that ark, when the rains came from above and from below, the water prevailed increasingly. And the people, when they realized that, it, that they had been wrong, they missed the boat. They missed the boat. And the Bible tells us in verse 22 that all the people died. Listen, if God did not fail to judge, if God did not fail to judge the world of sin, all of humanity, why in the world do we think that He will fail to judge us? Why do we think that God would not judge the false teachers, the false Christians, the church, and even America? Now, God promised to never flood the earth again with a worldwide flood. But listen close today. While the rainbow was given as a promise, it's used today as a perversion. He says that He is coming back again to judge the living and the dead. And He won't come with that kind of flood as He did in Genesis but next time He will come with power, judgment, and wrath. And that covers everybody. That covers every false teacher, false Christian, unbeliever, and anyone does not believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you, you might mock me as the preacher. Oh, He's not coming back. That's what they did in those days. That's what they were saying then and that's what they are saying now. You can reject the gift of salvation, but you will not be able to look at this pastor and say, he didn't warn me. Nevertheless, the warning today is for us to repent and turn back to God. There are two lessons here. One, God judges all people. Therefore, all need to hear the gospel. Second, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And we should all be sharing the hope of Jesus Christ. For we know the greater judgment that is coming to all mankind, where the wrath of God is going to be revealed against heaven, and the King of kings and the Lord of lords will come down just like He went up. And we have to give this message to the world. Only know that if you aren't convinced enough, 
in your very own heart to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, it should concern you. You've been saved. You've received the hope of Jesus Christ. You're born again from above. You're a child of God. You've been delivered from the wrath to come. And we don't tell people? Really? We're afraid to offend somebody? We're afraid to be awkward? We must be willing to proclaim Jesus Christ is the only way into salvation. We must plead with people to come to God and trusting that God is doing His magnificent work in the lives of those in which He has put in our paths. We are, as a nation, moving in a direction that is not acceptable to God. And He will not be mocked. Sin is good for a season. But there will come an end. We need to turn back to God. He says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and will hear their land. It takes humility. It takes prayer. It takes seeking after God. It, it takes repentance. Turning away from our sins. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I, I have my own issues. But what's a blessing is you all have your own issues too. So therefore, let's not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. We need to repent. This is the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's for the believer. That's not a gospel message, by the way. That, that's, that is a plea for Christians to repent when they sin because if you haven't been reminded lately, you're not perfect. And I don't mind telling you that I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I respond inappropriately. I'm tempted in the same way as you're tempted. And so listen, let's, let's just be real for a moment. Maybe there's something in your life that you need to commit to God and repent. And turn back to God in your life. Because if, listen, God did not spare the angels, if God did not spare the ancient world, and if He condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter, then what makes us believe that He will not do this to us? Sodom and Gomorrah fell to destruction. And they were reduced to ashes to be made what? An example. I don't want to be made an example. 
But Sodom and Gomorrah was an example to what? To those that would live ungodly lives thereafter. Maybe I should have entitled the message, Look Backwards, America. Look what happens to nations, to people. Look at the church when they walk away from Almighty God and His grace and His mercy and their forgiveness. Look at the wrath that He pours out. Sodom and Gomorrah fell to destruction. You want to be a false teacher? You want to lie? You want to lead people astray by vain philosophies, self-will opinions? By destructive heresies, okay, you can do that. But let Sodom and Gomorrah be our example. A reminder. Christ is indeed coming back. And God's wrath will be poured out on all of humanity. What was it that they did in Sodom and Gomorrah that caused God to pour out His wrath? Well, we find that in Ezekiel 16. 49 to 50. He says here, Behold, this was the guilty, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, careless ease, but she did not help the poor and needy. Thus, they were haughty. And committed abominations before me. Therefore I removed them when I saw it. There was arrogance. Pride. God don't play with pride. God does not play with pride. We think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. He will put us in our place. If you are a child of God, He will discipline you because He loves you. And if you are not a child of God, or you think you're a child of God, and you're not disciplined, the Bible says you're an illegitimate child. Because He disciplines those He loves. You think you can walk and live in habitual sin and never receive a, a discipline from Almighty God? Then maybe, just maybe, you're not a child of God. That's a reality. Listen, America is prideful. <laughs> Our prosperity has pr produced a pride and self-sufficiency that turns results in our disregard and our moral, immoral unrighteousness in the face of the God of the Bible. But not only were they arrogant and prideful, they were gluttons. Their God was their belly. Not Americans, we don't eat too much. They were idle. They had a careless ease, the text says. They'd become lazy. Americans don't even have to work anymore to get paid. You would think that maybe someone was trying to create something in our nation to produce what Sodom and Gomorrah was turned to ashes for. Hmm, sounds like the enemy at work to me. And when they do work, they work to live their lives to retire and, and do nothing and get lazy. When really what it should is you should work and retire so that you can serve God full time. Listen, the curse of man was that you shall work by the sweat of your brow. That, that, that doesn't go away. 
They didn't have care for the poor and needy. They were self-focused. They didn't care about outsiders. I think we should help others and care about them. You know, it was interesting because I'm preparing this message in my office and I get a knock on my door and it's this older gentleman who says, hey, I want to wash your vehicle. And I'm thinking, I really don't need my vehicle washed, but how many people are actually trying to work today? So, so Stuart, you just said this in your sermon. How are you going to handle that? Well, okay, well, let's go look at it. I, my truck had always used the washing, so let's go out and look at it. Well, I'll do your truck for $165. about fell out. $165? $165? Okay, we ain't doing that. So we came up with the price, and he cleaned my truck. We ain't going to say what kind of job he did, but he cleaned my truck. Now, I could have just shucked him off. Get out of here. I don't, I don't need you to clean my truck. But here I am in the midst of this, and I'm thinking to myself, how many people are out trying to find a job actually today? Maybe this man could use some help. We have to consider others in their circumstances, in their situations. And, and it don't always turn out for your benefit. <laughs> Reality, right? Sometimes it, 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 it's a sacrifice. It costs you more than what it was worth. Yeah, <laughs> like the Nissan dealer. Amen. Notice the, they were self-focused. They, they, they should have helped and cared about others and served them. But in red, instead, they, they always wanted to be served. It says they did disgusting things. Abominations which we know was homosexuality. Just read Genesis 14. The people were depraved, men seeking men. And not only were they seeking men, they were seeking after angelic beings. Listen, flip over to Romans chapter 1, because what I want you to see, the homosexuality is the overturning of men's mind to depraved minds. Romans 1, verse 26. Well, I'll go to 24. Therefore God gave them over to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed for, forever. Amen. For this reason, God that gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural. Now let me tell you how perverted the liberals are when, it, when these liberal scholars, they, they talk about, well, I was born gay, therefore the natural function would be my gay relationship. And so they twist the Word of God. Twist not the Word of God, my friends. Listen, I know you were born that way. That's why God says you must be born again. I was born a sinner. I was born to murder you. I was born to lust after you. I was born to eat too much. I was born just like you in sin. Psalm 51.5 says, In my mother's womb I was conceived into iniquity. We must be born again. Listen, it's a turning over to a depraved mind, my friends. 
that God didn't spare Sodom and Gomorrah because they were detestable to the Lord. Listen, I know it's Pride Month. I was sitting in my room. TV was on in the living room. and I looked across and I don't know, it was a commercial. And I was talking to my children. We were having a conversation and I said to myself, is that two men in the bed together in this commercial? And my son said, yep, disgusting, isn't it? Listen, this world is trying to corrupt your minds. And it's, it is double time. It might even be actual triple time. It's time we call sin, sin. Now, listen, I didn't say mistreat them. I didn't say elevate. It just happens to be Pride Month, so it might be a good time to talk about it. And being that I didn't prepare this message for such a time as Pride Month, it just so happens that it is that. We need to honor all mankind because they're all created in the image of God. And just as a reminder, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But nevertheless, sin is sin, and you can't get away from it, and I can't get away from it. We can't twist it to our own desires. It's time we call sin, sin. Listen, I'm not afraid to call sin, sin. I don't believe in the critical race theory. I think it's junk. I don't believe in the social gospel. It's junk. I don't believe that homosexuality is okay. I don't believe in the LGBTQ, RLS, whatever they come up with. Next. This perversion is making its way into the children. And it's making it more acceptable for sex trafficking, for pornography, and all. Listen, it is destroying families. I mean, I meet with grown women whose husbands are addicted to pornography and it has absolutely destroyed their marriage. It's time we stand up, guys. Protect your children. Tell them what's right and tell them what's wrong. And if they believe the gospel from the age of 4 to 14, make sure you impact them during that age and even when they get older. But nevertheless, listen, let us not be so proud in our hearts the desire to exalt the sins of another, to think more highly of ourselves while we live lives of adultery. The Bible says if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. How many of us men have committed adultery this week? With our eyes. How many women? We live in a different world, gentlemen. Women are just as addicted to pornography as men these days. Listen, we have sin. We're lazy. We're gluttons. We're liars. We're thieves. We do all of these things. Let's not us elevate one after the other, but be honest. Sin is sin. And your sin may not be my sin, and my sin may not be your sin, but we need to repent of sin. And yes, we all must be born again. Because all of us were born into sin. All of humanity. But we can't live in that sin and allow it to overtake our hearts. All of these are acts of sin, laziness, gluttony, 
adultery, homosexuality. Sin is sin. Look at Leviticus 18.22. Look at Leviticus 20.13. Look at Romans 1.26-27. Look at 1 Corinthians 6.9-10. Listen, the Word of God doesn't, is not, doesn't lie. It points it out. Now, we can twist it to our own desires, but that's not what God wants. God will not stand for sin ever. And if He condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, verse 6, having made them an example to those who live ungodly lives thereafter, we ought to pay attention. He will do the same to us. He will, he will do the same to a nation. He will do the same to a church. Support Pride Month if you want. He will be the judge. His judgment, His wrath will unfold. We can bury our heads in the sand. But listen, He's coming back. Just read the book of Judges. Think God won't deal with sin? The unbeliever, the fake Christian, the false believers, they will indeed receive the wrath of God. And if He didn't fail to do it to the angels, if He didn't fail to do it in the worldwide flood, if He didn't fail to do it in Sodom and Gomorrah, listen, he will do it to you when He comes back, but there is a positive side. That's a whole lot of negative. But sometimes you don't know what the positive is until you know what the negative is. You can't have good news until you understand the bad news. But before we get there, let me ask you a question. How will you be judged when you stand before Almighty God? Only you can answer that personally. Will you stand guilty? Living a life of unrepentant sin? Never given your life to Christ? Stained at enmity with God? Your sin has made a separation between you and your God? Listen, well, not only false believers receive the wrath of God, but secondly, I want you to notice, true believers will see the rescue of God. God is not only a God of wrath, He is a God of rescue. He is a God of grace. And Noah found favor in His sight. And just like Noah was saved from the wrath of God, so listen, you can be saved from the wrath of God. Just like Noah was found in the ark, so you can be found in Christ. Just like the door was shut and sealed when you come into Christ and Christ comes into you, you will be sealed in by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says here, if, if, if he rescued Lot, righteous Lot, oppressed, by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men. For by what he saw and heard, that righteous man while living among them felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their wicked. Is that not us? Are we not living in a day where we're tormented by the evil and perversion that, that, that marks our country today? Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. No temptation has overtaken you, but that which is common to man and God is faithful and will provide a way of escape. God can rescue you. He can walk with you through this perverted nation in this time. He can walk with you as so many churches have abandoned the true gospel for some social gospel. I'm not going to apologize for my whiteness. And you ought not apologize for your blackness or your Chineseness. Or your Hispanishness, or your Hispanicness. We are created in the very image of God. 
let no man poison your mind. You are a child of the Most High God. And you are loved by God. God is not a respecter of persons. I don't believe when we get to heaven, He's going to be going, hmm, uh, what's, the race, what's your race card that you got there? No. You're a child of God. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. And from there, all of humanity was... Go read Answers in Genesis. Jen's been reading a, a wonderful book on it. Listen, this, this culture is perverted. And I am watching brothers in Christ lose their minds over this thing. The enemy is active. But know this. Know this. You're either a child of God or you're a child of Satan. We are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So don't apologize for who you are and how God made you. You are special. Just the way God made you. Now you can watch these commercials and these commercials can make you feel like less of a woman. Men, protect your wives from that mess. And women, protect your wives from this other mess coming in the house through magazines and all this other stuff. We need to protect one another. Embrace the culture of each person because there's value. Intrinsic value because you were created in the image of God. So, no, don't, don't let the world poison your mind. There is consistency that I found in the person of Noah and Lot. And both of them were found to be righteous men even when living among the wicked. The wheat and the tare will be mixed, my friend. He ain't pulling out the tare. Yet. But let me ask you a question right now. If Jesus Christ were to burst through the floor system of heaven and come here, where would you be? Would you be considered a child of God? I didn't ask you if you were good enough. Galatians 2.21 says, If you could be saved by keeping the law, then Christ died needlessly. No, no, no. Listen. Titus 3, 4, and 5 reminds us of this great truth. Let's flip there, because y'all need to memorize that one. Titus 3, 4. It's, it's such a... It's, it, Galatians 2.21 used to be my favorite verse. Now, I, I'm pretty certain Titus 3, 4, and 5 are now my favorite. It's, it's such a beautiful picture of God's grace. He says here in Titus 3, 4, but when the kindness of God. Ain't God a good God? When the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appear. It's, listen, it's not that you love God, but that God loved you and sent His Son into the world that you might have life. Listen, you were incapable. You, there's no way you could reestablish the broken relationship that you've had with God. Why? Because sin is in the world. The word sin in the original language is harmati. It means to miss the mark. You have fallen short and missed the mark. You've, you've missed the mark and fallen short of the glory of God. You must be absolutely perfect in order to get that. You say, well, how is that such a thing? Well, let me tell you how that's such a thing. Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Well, let me explain that. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. When God sees 
Me, who does he see? If this pen is me, I'm stained, separated, enmity with God because Isaiah 59 2 says, Your sins have made a separation between us and God. And here Jesus, he who knew no sin, became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When God sees me, who does he see? Jesus. You must be covered in the blood of the Lamb, my friend. If you think for one second, if the world has bought, has tricked you into thinking for one second, you can work your way to heaven, boy, you're going to be disappointed when you get there. Now, I didn't say as Christians we shouldn't have good works, but don't confuse the two. One's a byproduct of salvation, a fruit of true conversion, and if there is no fruit, there's no root, and if there's no root, you're dead. So listen to me. It's not until we are deemed righteous in the eyes of God that we can enter into heaven, but it's only through His Son. It's not that you loved Him, but He loved you. Let me finish, Titus. I haven't got to preaching now. But listen to what it says in verse 5. He saved us. You didn't save yourself, my friends. Not on the basis of deeds which you've done in righteousness. Any confusion there? None. Very clear. But according to His mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. You must be born again. You must be made alive. Spiritually. Regenerated. Justified. Declared right before Almighty God. Have you done that today? You may ask how. Well, the Scripture says again, He who knew no sin became sin, that you might have the righteousness of God in Him. You must confess that Jesus Christ is indeed Lord of your life. Believe the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, that that was enough to pay your penalty on Calvary. You put your faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Paul says it's the gospel that has the power to save. And then and only then, my friends, will you be viewed as righteous to God. Have you done that today? God has warned He's coming back again. He says it in Matthew 6, 16, 27. He says it in Matthew 23, 39. He says it in Matthew 24, 30. He says it in Matthew 24, 36. He says it in Matthew 24, 42. He says it in Matthew 26, 64. He says it in Mark. He says it in Luke. He says it in John. He says it in Acts. He says it in 1 Corinthians. He says it in Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, Titus, Timothy. He says on and on and on. He is coming back. And when He comes back, He's coming back on a white horse to judge. Choose this day whom you will serve. There has never been a book like the Bible that has fulfilled the prophecy. And he will not fail this time. False teachers will tell you otherwise. They will provoke you to binding some kind of thinking that's not based on the Word of God. But when you are born again, God is able to protect you. To keep the righteous, the unrighteous, under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially, verse 10, those who indulge in the flesh and its corrupt desires and despise authority. God will judge, my friends. He will judge in His wrath. And He wishes not. He wishes that all would come to repentance. But we know that's not the case. For Matthew says, the way is broad, the road is wide, that leads to destruction, and many are those who find it. The way is narrow, the gate is narrow, and the way is small, and few are those who enter by it. So God will in the end judge. He will destroy all whom oppose Him. And so the question that I want to ask you today is who will you choose?
America. Behold your choice. Let's pray. Hey, thanks for joining us on our program today. We pray that you were challenged, encouraged, and hope that you will stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stewart walks us through 2 Peter. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stewart would like to personally invite you to join their worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina. They meet each week at 11 a.m. For more information about the church, visit them at familybiblefellowship.org. Thanks again for being with us. God bless and have a great week.